0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do without the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Verily truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Verily, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. You, be Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. I read once, and it's been a long time ago, about a congregation who really loved their pastor, but he had grown old, about like my age. So they invited him to come and preach a final service so that they could honor him. In his way, according to this story, he tottered to the pulpit, and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then he tottered back to his pew and sat down. The most successful sermon of any retired preacher. I uh, hate to tell you, but you're not gonna get a short sermon like that today you're going to have to endure. I haven't done this for a while, so you, you'll you have to give me a pass. Back in January, we were coming back from Minneapolis after seeing the Luther sites, and Pastor Rogers said, would you like to preach a final sermon? And I said, I would be happy to. So I've had some time to look over the various texts for, The season, and I decided on this one. Now, at first, I thought about using the Old Testament lesson because it seemed very appropriate in the context of where we are today. I mean, Diane and I, like Sarah and Abraham, are going off into a far country that we do not know. And we have been talking about this, People have heard we are going to move and we aren't going to move and so forth. So we decided that we would announce this publicly, that everybody would hear and understand. She probably made her announcement at a circle or one of the altar or some of the activities she's in. I decided to do it at our men's Bible study. Incidentally, many of you are missing a very wonderful treat by not coming to that on Tuesday mornings, and I said at an appropriate time, I thought, well, as uh, Abraham and Sarah moved off to a far country, Diane and I are going to Des Moines in the spring at that time, probably April, and there was a silence in the room until the person sitting to my right said, Paul, is Diane pregnant? Now you have to know something about Abraham and Sarah's story. And guess who that person was? It was our pastor. So I decided not to go down that route. Rather, I chose this wonderful gospel today. Luther called these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said this, this is a gospel miniature but I'm gonna disappoint you. I'm not gonna preach specifically on that. In fact, I'm going to talk about this old man, leader of the Jews, a Pharisee, a man that uh, was very intelligent, very bright, uh, well-respected. I think I've met him in Iowa City many times. He's my Iowa City man. He comes to Jesus by night in the dark. I read one commentator who said he came by stealth, sneakily, kind of implying he was a coward. I know differently. When you read the Gospel of John, and if you understand it carefully, you don't read just on the surface. He came by night, not only to escape the scrutiny of the Sanhedrin, but also of the darkness of his soul. He was a learned man, yet there was this gnawing hunger in him. And I meet it all the time. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus nails him. He knows exactly what's on his heart and mind. He says, Nicodemus... Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born from above. Well, Nicodemus says, that's ridiculous. How can a man like me enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? His his mother may have been dead by then. It would be an impossibility. And so they get into this theological discussion. Jesus was really telling him, I'm not going to give you a baptism like John did, repenting and striving to lead a holy and godly life, but I'm going to tell you that it's going to come from above. It's going to come by the Holy Spirit, and you can't control it because the wind blows wherever it will. I thought... uh, Pastor Roger did a beautiful job talking about this when he put a ladder, for some of you here, when he put a ladder by the pulpit, and he said, you can't strive and climb that ladder to get to heaven. Rather, the ladder is like what Jacob experienced in the 28th chapter of Genesis at Bethel. The ladder comes from God down to man. And I know that uh, the Holy Spirit is here today. In fact, I said to a couple of you, I thought when we came in early, it was like coming to an Easter Sunday service, uh, somebody, a sunrise service. Uh, someone said, uh, well, you picked the wrong date. I mean, after all, change of daylight saving time, uh, you know, the week when everybody leaves town because there's no school to university I never count numbers I preach to a lot of lumber yards I mean I've seen empty pews all over the place and I know I know that where two or three are gathered together in Christ's name Christ is in the midst of them and does some marvelous things so Nicodemus was confused by all of this teacher he said how can this be How can this be? Uh, Nicodemus knew something else. He was so learned in the Talmud and in uh, the writings of his Jewish ancestors that he read one time that if a prophet comes among you and begins to prophesy and miracles and strange things happen, Then he said, "Uh, you know that this prophet is sent by God. But if he comes and makes a lot of promises and tries to tell you about God and nothing happens, you don't need to heed him. He's discredited. Nicodemus was going to come and find out for himself. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the son of God? And I tell you, something happened to Nicodemus that night. Because if you go to the uh, 19th chapter of the Gospel of John, you'll find out that when Jesus was crucified and died, and Joseph of Arimathea took his body and was going to put it in the tomb, and the disciples scattered, just like frightened sheep, Nicodemus came with 100 pounds of myrrh and alloys, a pretty big sum of money spent for that to anoint the body of Jesus. He was no coward. Something happened to Nicodemus that night. He heard from the Son of God. um, Walter Lippmann, Meyer, not yours, um, once said if an unregenerate man tries to get out of a muddle, he'll just muddle the muddle. He's a muddler. (laughs) There's something about that. If we come and aren't filled with the spirit, if Christ hasn't come down into our hearts and our lives, we strive and try, but there's always that hunger, that ache, that desire to be filled with God. And Nicodemus was among those, and that's why I chose him today. Many years ago, um, when we first came to Des Moines, uh, we lived in a little community then called Waukee. You should see Waukee today. Uh, our children, our uh, second oldest and third oldest son were members of the high school and our daughter Mary was just entering junior high. Uh, they, Two boys played in the football team, and their coach was named Mr. Colvert, and uh, I knew he was a Christian, but he was teaching a course, and I don't know how they got into this subject on death and dying, and so um, he decided to ask John if he would bring his preacher father to the school to talk about how he conducted funerals and so forth. Well, it was a pretty tense time. Uh, The school was arguing about prayer in the public school. Uh, There was a whole concern in the religious community about not inflicting their faith and causing trouble for the school board and all the rest. So I tried to be extremely careful. Uh, I greeted the class and I told them how at death I always visited with the family with prayer and Bible readings. How uh, sometimes I went with a grieving spouse to a funeral home to arrange for the funeral. I talked about the place of the funeral. I talked about calling after death, trying to uh, deal with their grief. I thought I was pretty careful, pretty clinical. But I think I was pretty sterile and pretty boring, to be honest, uh, So I asked for questions, and the first question, there was a pause, and the first question came out of of all people, the teacher, Mr. Colbert. He said, well, Bishop, where are you gonna go when you die? And I was into it. Well, I said, I think I'm going to go and be with my Lord in heaven. And just about that time, a young fellow that I knew something about, because he played on the line with my son, Matthew. He shouted, oh, you think you're pretty good, don't you? And I said, no, Steve, I'm just like you. I know lust, I know greed, I know any sin that you know. It's inflicted me as well, but I know something you don't know. I know that Jesus Christ died for me, and he will save me. And just about then the bell rang, thank God. (laughs) So I said goodbye to the teacher, greeted my son, John, and started down the hallway. Well, Steve hadn't had enough. So Steve came to me and he said, you believe that stuff, don't you? I said, Steve, it's made all the difference in my life. I've given my life to telling people like you about this Christ and what he can do for us. And then we were, he went out the door with me while I went to my car and he said, well, can Christ save a murderer? And I said, Steve, there's a fellow by the name of Moses who was one of the great leaders of the Jewish nation. There was David who was a great king of Israel. There was St. Paul, who was a great saint of the Christian church. I said, they were all implicated in murder. Oh, how about a thief? Well, I told him about the thief on the cross. He would simply ask Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today you shall be with me in paradise. And then he looked at me again and he said, well, how about sex? I asked him if he'd seen the movie David and Bathsheba. And he said, yes. I said, well, David was a great king of Israel. But he was forgiven by the Lord. And then I put my finger into his chest. And I remember how muscular this kid was. He had been pumping arms, or, you know, uh, the weights and all the rest. I said, Steve, he can save a person just like you and just like me. And the bell rang, and he ran to the hallway to his next class and I went back to my office. That night, I probably, after dinner, I probably was doing dictation. I, I used to do that in the evening after a busy day at the office and the telephone rang. And our son John went to the telephone and picked it up and he came with this pain, or strange expression on his face. Dad, it's Steve. And I went to the phone, and I said, hello, Steve. And he said, Dr. Ruger, I don't want to take up your time. I just want to tell you something. Thank you for coming to class today. He said, you've given me hope. And I never thought there was hope for a person like me. I rarely stand in front of a pulpit that I don't recognize. I'm meeting Steve's and Nicodemus and people who are gathered together because there's an ache. There's a hunger in their souls. And like old Saint Augustine, our hearts and souls are restless until they find their rest in thee, O Lord. Jesus has come. He's come among us, and he's come to save us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen.